evening, everybody. <clears throat> is that too loud? Well, I need you all to hear me because this is very important. Um, so first of all, I'm Nick. This is Jan. If you haven't seen us or met us before, there are two of my children over here and one over there, and the other one's watching uh, a movie through there. So we have four kids under the age of six, so it's lots of fun, very, very busy. Uh, it's, I finally found what I'm good at, procreating. Um, <clears throat> it took me 26 years to figure out what God designed me for. Um, no, But uh, we're very, very excited to share a little bit about our journey. Um, Matt's got the Slido, uh, the, the question thing. He's going to pop it up, the code there. So please feel free to hop onto our Wi-Fi and pop some questions on there. We will do question time at the end. Uh, it's nice to keep these things interactive because that's how I feel we learn the best. So this is not so much a preach, but more a discussion that we're going to have with you guys. Uh, and we're very, very excited for this. So yeah, babes, tell everyone a little bit about us. Okay. How awesome I was. <laughs> so um, just to give you a brief synopsis of Nick and I, um, we actually met at youth group at City Hill, which was actually HCF, Hillcrest Christian Fellowship. Um, he was... However, I was dating another boy at the time, so Nick had no in there, unfortunately, although he wanted to. Um, and then in my final year, I was at Stellenbosch, and I had been single, I'd broken up with this guy, and um, Nick um, would phone me every week. I was studying in Stellenbosch, and he was here actually at Varsity College, and he would phone me, and we started, I mean, we've always been friends since teenagers, and I can honestly say that I never looked at Nick. I never thought that he would be like my husband. He was just such a good friend because he was friends with lots of girls. So I never knew if I was just another friend, you know. <laughs> and then, um, then a whole bunch of us decided to go to Plettenberg Bay for New Year's Eve. We spent the whole, we, we went for like 10 days, a whole bunch of us from our youth, from our church, from City Hill, and um, like, it was suddenly like, well, the, the attraction was turned on. Yeah, because the first time I saw her in a bikini and I was like, flip. <laughs> I should put my game on, and then I did. <laughs> I had to keep her off me. So, Shepard, I did send you a pic of us actually at plates. I thought it would be fun. Do you have it, Shepard? Yeah. How funny. <laughs> That's me on the right. I don't know if you can check the deco. <laughs> anyway, and so we never confessed our feelings, but you know you when you're in a big circle and Nick and I would always find the seat next to each other or when we went out for, for, to eat, we would sit next to each other and we got home and I was showing my parents the pictures and my mom said to me, there's an, there's an awful lot of pictures of you and Nick. Are you sure there's nothing going on? I was like, Mom, I promise you he is my friend. My mom was like, okay, we'll see about that. And um, then Nick sat me down, actually, and he said, Jan, I really like you, but I'm off to BSSM, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. I'm going to study in America, so unfortunately this can't go anywhere, um, which was gut-gutting because I was like, so, so like, keen for him. Don't know what the word is now. No, no kissing. Not yet. Not yet. No holding hands. 
And then, um, yeah, so he was, that was January, and he was only leaving for America in the August. And so I went back to Stellenbosch. He kept phoning me. Every time I came home for school holidays, we'd hang out. And um, I can't even remember, babe. Oh. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, he said, it's, it's so sad because we were so, we were actually so in love, but we didn't realize that we were so in love. And because we spent all the time together in the world. And um, the night before he left for America, we hang out with some of our friends. And then I was saying goodbye to him. And he just kissed me in the driveway. And then he left the next day without saying a word to me. And I was like, heartbroken. I let my actions speak louder than my words. And like, I literally went home and I remember crying my eyes out to my dad and my mom. And they were like, why are you crying? And I'm like, um, I told them that I'd kiss Nick and I was so in love with him. And he was going to America and he's going to find an American girl because he's going to Bible school there. And my heart's broken. And my dad was like, pull yourself together. You can still like have hope. And I'm like, I can't have hope. I don't want a broken heart. I'd had a broken heart before. And I was like, I'm not having a broken heart again. It was too sore. And my dad said, Jesus can fix broken hearts. You're never going to find love if you don't put your heart out there. Um, obviously, with care, with wisdom, and with care. And so I journeyed this with my family. Anyway, he went to America, sobbed my eyes out, um, but he continued to like pursue me from afar. So we had sexy Skype back then, not Zoom or WhatsApp calls. We had Skype. And we Clarified. I mean, you say sexy scar, but it wasn't what you think that word means. Yeah. I just called it sexy scar, but it was just normal conversation of a scar, okay? Yeah. And so we would chat for like four hours, and then um, like every night we would just, and it was so great because the physical side was completely removed, and we literally just had communication. And so we long distance communicated. He still, he, he actually made it quite clear to me, I really like you. I'm only going to ask you out when I see you though. Um, and then his dad got, fell very ill with cancer. Um, he had a 10% chance of survival. And so his mom and dad flew him home. And his dad, praise the Lord, is living. Yeah, survived and has been incredible. Um, and so it was in this time that he was home that he asked me out and we were official so that was quite a long story but yeah and then I ended up going to Bethel and we dated most of our dating relationship actually at Bethel in California which was so fun because it was a really healthy environment to date we ended up Nick spoke to me there and said I see a future with you and um, we ended up doing like a engagement course in Bethel um, and then we were, when we finished his second year, my first year, we wanted to get home to get married. That was our goal. If we stayed there, we wouldn't be able to do that. So we came home, got jobs. So we came home in May, and in December, we were engaged. And um, March, we were married. We had a two-and-a-half-month engagement. So we always say to people, you just need an engagement period to plan a wedding. Like, when you know you're getting engaged you should be ready to get married. So all you need is a time to plan a wedding, however that fits in your timeline. So that's our story. Yeah. So yeah, that's a little bit about us. So um, the reason why we wanted to start out by that is because we feel like we, um, without trying to blow too much smoke up our own bottoms, but 
I think we did it quite well uh, in that space. We had uh, people with us, we had community with us, uh, we navigated it. Um, it's, it's a difficult thing, the whole dating. So kind of tonight, what we've labeled it is, it's minefields to marriage. So that's what dating is. Dating is minefields to marriage. So the whole bunch of minefields you don't want to, minds you don't want to stand on. You want to have a clear path and then Hopefully the end goal is marriage. So one of our things, as Jan will allude to a bit later, is you date to date, you don't date to get married. Now a lot of people are like, what do you mean by that? You know, that you, if you date, it means you are going, the idea is this, you date to get to know each other. You don't date of, and like, oh, now we're dating, so we are definitely getting married. The, 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 you date with vision. You date with vision, but the point of dating is to get to know each other. The point of dating is not marriage. The point is to get to know each other and then decide if you then are going to get married. Does that make sense? Wonderful. And if your goal in life is to get married, like that's not the goal of life. Because you'll actually get married and then be like, I'm unfulfilled. And not actually be a whole person to your partner because you're expecting them to fulfill your every need. And that's not the goal. It's just a beautiful blessing from, like marriage is a gift from the Lord. So... So we've got five pillars, four pillars of dating. Yeah, well, I actually started out with seven pillars of dating because oh. seven sounds cool, but we only have five. Um, <clears throat> so can, first, I get the, can I get the slide of the Bugatti? Not that one, that one. How much is that? How much is that? What's that worth? A lot of money. Come on, boys, girls. 12 million dollars. Are we talking dollars or rands? 12 million dollars. Okay, two point, someone's Googled it, $2.985 million on the button there, Guru, well done. So I put that up there because, I, and I've done this example before, so if you have heard it, I, I do apologize, but it's great. So that, that, the value of that car is dependent on what someone else is willing to pay for it, right? Right? So it's not worth $10 million if someone's not going to pay $10 million for it. It's worth $3 million if someone's willing to pay $3 million for it. So if value is determined, if worth is determined by how much someone is willing to pay for it, then sometimes we need to get step back and we think about our own worth. So what are you worth? Well, what is the price paid for your life? Because if we don't understand what you're worth, you're going to get into horrible relationships throughout your life. And it can start with friendships, relationships with your parents, siblings, dating, the whole thing. If you don't understand the price that was paid for your life, you're going to drastically get involved in detrimental relationships throughout your life until you figure out what your worth is. And your life is worth the price that Jesus paid for it, which is death. So he, if he paid his life for your life, that's what you're worth. So if the, the, the creator of the universe, the very person who we live for, died for you, we have to remember what our worth is. And that's incredibly important because when you don't know what your worth is, if you were here this morning, you would have heard Hilton's preach on shame. If you don't know your worth, you fall into shame, you fall into guilt, you can fall into sin. It all kind of starts with this identity thing. And we can go into lots of talks about identity and where we're at, but I just wanted to start off this evening about that. They haven't seen us for a long time, so they're going to go sit on their mother's lap. Um, so we need to realize how much we're worth. So you guys are worth the death of your Savior. Incredible, eh? So with that said, I mean, if someone wants to buy that for me, I would take it um, for free. <clears throat> so if that's what we are worth, the next thing that I want to I step into, so we remember what we are worth, and then I want to step into the reason for 
community. So what's the perfect example of a relationship? It's the Trinity. It's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Helper. So if that's the perfect example of unity, then we need to have a perfect relationship with the Trinity in order for us to now step into a relationship with someone else. We can't do this unless we've done this well. This is always a journey. This is a process. But this comes before this. So what happens is, and this usually happens this way, the chicks come and they're like, oh my gosh, he's so nice. <laughs> Does he come to church? No, but he's going to come because, you know, I'm there. And okay, well, cool, that's fine. There's a process. And there are beautiful stories of things like that um, where someone walks into a youth thing or a young adult thing or a church meeting and then in gold glitter, thus saith the Lord, he is written. It's not he is, but it's like she's the one. And angels come out in a chorus and sing a song. And unfortunately, growing up inside church, those are the examples that are taught to us. Oh, we, saw, we met each other and three days later we were married. I want to tell you all, that is the exception that is not the norm. Okay, don't put that as your example. That you have to have a dream, you have to have a visitation from Jesus himself at the foot of your bed, waking you up, slapping you across the face and giving you a picture of your pure design destiny. That is the exception, not the norm. The norm is friendship, long period of friendship, relatively short-ish to long-ish period of dating, in my opinion, a short engagement and a marriage. Does that make sense? I completely stand and will say, yes, the exceptions happen. I know people, they met each other 10 days later, they're married. Usually they say the first couple months or things were not cool. Our first year of marriage was absolutely blissful. It was amazing. Okay, so the exception, not the norm. The norm is a process. <clears throat> so this is... Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jumble through this quite quickly because I want to get to the points that Jan has um, set for us. So, and I've got the scriptures. You can come and ask, me, ask them for me later. So it's 1 Corinthians 8, 6, and later on we've got John 14, 26. But we'll, if you want them, you can come ask them for me later. So the Father from which all things come and for whom we live, okay, and the Son from which all things come and through whom we live, and then you have the Holy Spirit who is the helper, okay? So we live for God through Jesus, and we can only do it with the help of the Holy Spirit, okay? So that's, that's how we have to, your relationship is for God, it's through Jesus, and it's with the Holy Spirit. This doesn't mean when you go on a date, you put a third chair out for the Holy Spirit. If you do that, I'm going to tell you you're weird, and you can go to a different church, okay? <laughs> I've heard stories like that. We're going to pray in tongues for half an hour before we go out. Like it's, you can do that. It's cool. That's whatever suits you, but we don't have to be weird about it, but the foundation is our worth is this death of a Savior. So that's how important you are as an individual. So when you are unified in marriage it's not half a person and half a person is a whole person it's a whole person and a whole person it's one plus one is 11 it's not two that's how the kingdom works it's one plus one is 11 okay i wasn't good at maths <clears throat> i did go to westville and so thank you and then so that's so if that's a perfect example of unity what comes before unity community hey you see what i did there community comes before unity. So you cannot date well if you are on your own. Plain and simple. 
we've got red flags and green flags, which we'll get to the end, and you can pop in whenever you want to, my love. We've got red flags and green flags are dating at the end. But if you are bringing someone to church and you're like, oh, this person's a lone ranger, red flag. Community is an important thing. <clears throat> okay. Why? Because what does unity command? A uh, blessing. Psalm 133. Okay. Okay, so now I'm going to The first pillar of dating is community. First pillar. Pillar one, community in the church, okay? So for me, if I read through Genesis, and there is theological debate about this, but I believe the principle still stands true. When you sin, who's sinned here before? Okay, Heather has never sinned. (laughs) Maisie, no, Maisie sinned last night. She woke up at three, but unacceptable. Okay, nine times out of ten, when you sin, are you with people or are you alone? Are you with people or are you alone when you sin? Alone. Solitude preludes sin, nine times out of ten. When you're alone, it's not a good thing. I'm not saying to, to be alone is one thing, to recharge, be by yourself, spend time, you know, that's not a problem. But to be lonely is another thing. You need to be in community because solitude preludes sin nine times out of ten. When you are alone and you are dealing with things and you're going through something and you can't stand in a church service and look down the aisle and go, oh my gosh, there's Matthew Phipps. I know exactly what he's going through, but he's got his arms raised and he's worshiping the king. Wow, that gives me courage. I can do that. You can't do that when you're on your own. So community comes before unity. Unity commands a blessing. Solitude preludes sin. Don't be, we are not designed for solitude. Does that make sense, guys? Remember, discussion, so you can shout at me and say, I don't understand. Do you understand? Okay. So, how does this work when you are dating? So I'm not going to talk about how you found someone to date. Now you are dating. How does it work? How does community work when you're dating? And we've shared this numerous times before. You need three types of people in your life when you're dating. You need someone who is a season ahead of you. So in my opinion, you would need a married couple who are ahead of you, who are calling you into a greater space. They're not looking at you saying, you're going to get married X, Y, and Z, but they're an example that you can look through, that when you're going through issues or things or stuff that you're processing, different family dynamics or whatever it is, they are ahead of you. Okay, then you need someone who is on the same plane as you, the same side as you, someone who is dating relatively the same age, you're looking for a job or you're in a job, but they're in the same group as you. You need people over there. So I think you need two or three of those people around you in the same level. You probably only need one couple ahead of you that you're kind of gleaning from and, and learning from. And then you also need someone that is behind you, a season behind you. So you want someone who's a season ahead, someone who's in the same season as you, and you want to see someone who's a season behind you. Because you can. we're supposed to be in and out people. So the Holy Spirit comes in and goes out, comes in and goes out. You're not just coming in and getting fat in the, in the kingdom. It's coming in and it's going out. So you're bringing someone up who's, who is behind you in the season and you're mentoring them and you're praying with them and you're spending time with them and you're spending time with a group of people that are with you in the same season and then you're also spending time with someone who is ahead of you, who's calling you into your destiny, into your greatness. Amen. Yeah, and we just had there like, you know, you know that saying that says, too many cooks spoil the broth. So I think it's unhelpful to have so many people's opinion and perspective. 
Like, if you're going to ask everybody their opinion, I think you need to, you know, keep, you know, the proverb speaks about having wise counsellors. And so you can definitely find some wise counsellors in this church, but it doesn't have to be the entire home group. It can be the, the two or three, you know. Can I get the, my little, I'm very proud of this because I was not a studious person at school and I did a thing. Oh, I didn't highlight it. Doesn't matter. I did this. I actually made this up. Okay. Thank you for the enthusiasm. Okay. Thank you, Stanley. I appreciate it. I don't do notes, guys. So this is very impressive for me. Okay. So I've spoken about this before and I, this is something that I, I, I think is a good process to have in, your, in the back of your minds when you are... Um, in a, in a friendship state, when you're identifying someone who you want to date to get to know on a deeper uh, physical and emotional level. So strangers, I don't know you, first impressions count. Uh, your emotional and your physical connection is less than 5% of what you are. Strangers, you meet someone for the first time, you're not going to hug them, you're not going to hold their hand, you're not going to get COVID from the person, you know, you're just, you're less than 5%. Then once you've gone from that, you move down into an acquaintance. So now I've met you a few times, you're no longer strangers, I know of you, Okay. <clears throat> so I know of you, it's still, it's, it's a little bit deeper emotional, but physical is still the same thing. We don't trust this person. They could be an axe murderer, okay, or the Tinder swindler. Okay. <laughs> so strangers, we meet strangers every day. It's, ha, how are you doing? But you don't really mean it. You don't really care how they are, honest <laughs> truth. Okay. There's zero trust in that space. Okay. <clears throat> so what happens when a stranger breaks your boundaries? You cut them off completely. There's no, there's no deep connection there. So they're gone. They're out. An acquaintance, so these are your work colleagues, sport teammates, classroom friends, how's it, how's your family, a little genuine interest, but when I start going into too much detail, you zone out, and when the reply, yeah, so when the reply goes deeper, you, you kill the conversation, there's very little trust, so when, this hap- when, when those boundaries are broken, when someone who's an acquaintance thinks that they may be a casual friend, you just kind of, our contact is avoided and you kill conversations quickly, you don't want to pursue a relationship or a friendship with this person past this point. Then you move into your casual friends. So there you go. I know you. Let's get personal. So this is where most of your friends fit. Most of your friends fit here. Casual friends. It's a great place to start getting intentional. That's why online dating, however awesome it is, and I have done a wedding where people have met online and it's worked beautifully and it's great. But what happens with online dating is you skip the first two things and you kind of go straight to the close friend and you, it skips some, some steps. So you want to have casual friends. Most of your friends are here. You have common interests and you worry about these people when they are in pain. So when they're hurting, you're actually concerned about them. You're not, you're not just going to cut them out of your life if they overstep boundaries. You're going to fight um, to repair the relationships. A close friend, so you finish each other's sentences. Uh, you understand their thought processes and the why. Uh, they do what they do. You get each other on an emotional level and you have high levels of trust. Okay, so I understand you. Let's get emotional. Okay, so we're 50, still less than 50% emotional. Physical connection is still less than 30%. You're not slapping each other's backsides. Right, Kirky? Pay attention, bro. Okay. <clears throat> From close, then you go from close friend to intimate friend. So now vulnerability is intimacy. There's a high level of intentionality. You place the other person higher than yourself. You fight for each other. You know the secret desires of their hearts. Uh, your reputation is on the, lines, on the line here. You have higher echelons of trust. So what happens when these boundaries are broken? There's deep levels of hurt. It's difficult to repair relations. Um, and usually it's time. It's when these friendships are broken, it takes time. Your close friends, if, if trust is broken, it takes time to repair them. Okay. 
what you want to do is you want to meet someone who's in your casual friend, you start to get intentional, and then they'll move from casual to close to intimate into the dating process. Remember, this is not a, a set in stone rule. This is just something I've seen work really well. It's a good process to go for. When someone comes to me and says, I have, I've only known them for three weeks, but I think I'm going to, think, I think they're the one. Just slow down. Slow down. Let's just go a step back. Why don't you just, you know, what's their, what's their middle name? No, I don't know. What's their surname? No, I don't know. What do they do? I don't know. She just looks like her. Okay, well, Bruce, slow down. <clears throat> okay. Wonderful. Want to go, love? Okay. Next up, we've got the pillar of truth. I don't know. Okay, so let's say you're dating now. We used to have this thing called, um, we're going to, or like, let's say you, you're just about to get into a relationship. You've got a DTR. You've got to define the relationship. Have you had your DTR yet? That's what we used to say at Bethel. So, so funny. But anyway, the basic premises of this is to check in with each other. Um, to check in with each other. So, for example, let's say you're vibing and you're like, I don't even know where I stand. Guys, we need to be a truthful people. Like, get, get together. Where are you in this? Where am I in this? Even when you're dating. Like, have constant check-ins. Like, are we on the same page? Um, communication builds trust. You know, be truthful. Um, communication builds or destroys a relationship. And if you can learn how to do the art of communication well when you're dating, let me tell you, it sets you up for incredible success in marriage. Um, communication is key. And I always say to guys, I say, guys, over-communicate. Over-communicate because the guys often like, um, I, I, told, you know, I told you, but girls are like, we want detail, Oaks. So actually, guys have to learn how to over-communicate to a girl um, because that's honoring, like, hey, this is where I am, I want to date, uh, I'm thinking I can see a future, but I'd love to get to know you. That's honoring to a girl. It's not kiff when you lead a girl on, and then you just ghost her. I mean, that's, that's actually very disrespectful. So, guys in the room, be honoring, be respectful to a girl. She is a daughter of the king. And the same goes to a girl. Um... We need to communicate well. Um, love believes the best, okay? So assumption is not our friend. And I remember when we're dating, um, you know, if a guy, no, no when, we're, when I was single, if a guy asked you out for coffee, it was like, oh my gosh, he wants to date me. I'm not going for coffee. Like, just go for the coffee. How do you know he wants to date you? He might just want to get to know you. You know what I mean? So don't assume until he's actually said or until you've had that confrontation. Um, the goal of communication is not to agree, but to understand each other. So let's say you're in a dating relationship. The goal of communicating, the goal of conflict resolution is to understand, not necessarily to agree. When I listen and I try to understand Nick, like when I listen to him and I try to understand him, I actually send him the message that he is valuable and he has influence over my life in our relationship. He's He's influential and he's valuable and I want to hear what he has to say, not so that I can defend back and fight back, because girls, we're good at that. I'm really good, actually, at coming up with an argument on my, on my thing. But um, we actually have to be like, I want to understand you because I value you. 
So there's four types of communication style. Number one, there's passive, which says, you matter, I don't. Okay? You matter, I don't. The eternal long sufferer. It's fear-induced. Number two, it's an aggressive type of communication style. I matter and you don't. It's a very selfish way. I matter, you don't. Also fear-induced. Number three, passive-aggressive. You matter, not. This is often accompanied with sarcasm, empty threats, manipulation. It's not cool. It's not cool in a relationship. And then we want to all be assertive communicators, guys. You matter and so do I. Okay, the goal is always connection, and um, yeah, the goal is always connection. And then I wanted to say, um, you know, just to the young people in the room, because we all love our social media, I'm a millennial and I love it, I can't imagine how much the Gen Z's do, but manage your social media ideal, okay? Often we like think our dating needs to be like that real, where they look absolutely perfectly in love and travel the world. That is not real. That's an ideal, okay? So manage your ideal because what you're looking at and what you're scrolling at is almost what you inadvertently expect from a relationship and that's not real. Life, we are all human. So manage your social media ideal. You know, the word needs to define who we look for in a spouse, who we look to to date. And then, I've said this, don't leave them on if you're not interested. And then I want to say, are they worth the risk? Like when, you, when you're thinking about dating, I think a big question for me when I was like, I don't know if I want to break, like when I said I didn't know if I wanted my heart to be broken if it didn't work out well, but I had to be like, is Nick actually worth the risk? Like he's an amazing guy, he loves Jesus. Yes, he is worth the risk. So is the girl worth the risk? Is the guy worth the risk? Um, you can always button love. Okay. Who are, his, who are their friends? This is so key when you're choosing someone to date. Who are their friends? You know, we all know, show me your friends, I'll tell you your future. Show me his friends, I'll show you your future. It's very key. Who are their friends? How do they treat their parents? Another key thing, another key like filter that you can ask yourself when you're thinking of dating. How do they treat their parents? How do, how do they deal with authority in their lives? How do they steward their time? You know? Too much fortnight, not a good thing. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> there's lots of yeah, chirping here. Yeah, shots fired, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Four hours of fortnight a day is sinful. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's actually it on number two. So I hope those were just helpful little things. Those are things that I've just learned along the way, you know? I hope they help you. Back to you. The pillar of purity. Right. Don't touch your boobs. It's not funny. <laughs> just don't do it. Okay, cool. Next one. <laughs> Can I just, before we, before we start this, I love this verse from 1 Corinthians 6, and I think Stan did bring it up, but it's so worthwhile bringing it up again. Flee from 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18 to 20. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. 
Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. In Genesis 2.7, it says this, Then the Lord God formed a man from dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Torben, can I breathe into your nostrils, please? No. Breathing into someone's nostrils is a very intimate thing, especially if it's life. So from the beginning of time, man has been designed for intimacy. Breathing into someone's nostrils is an intimate thing. I don't think anyone's ever done that before, besides God. So you've been designed for intimacy. Okay, John 15, 4, remain in me as I am in you. We are, he's, God is in us and we are in him. It's, a, it's an intimate, intimacy thing. Now, when we talk intimacy nine times out of ten, again, we, we go straight to the sex side of things. But there's an emotional, spiritual, soul connection of intimacy that is there. <clears throat> and when you're dating, you need to protect and value the process. Again, when you realize what something is worth, so now you know what you're worth, you know what your partner is worth, who you are dating, you know, you know what they're worth, okay? So they are worth the death of the Savior, the death of Jesus, that is their worth. That Bugatti that we put on the screen earlier, if you had that, would you leave it parked outside on North Beach? No, most definitely not, right? That thing is going to be in a garage with velvet carpets, aircon conditioned, you know, it's climate controlled, okay? No one else is touching that thing but you, am I right? Why? Because it's, this is how we are, is the more something is worth, the better we treat it, right? So if I give you something for free, nine times out of ten, you don't look after it properly. So how can we treat people differently? When you don't put value onto someone, you don't treat them like they're worth anything. So if you're in a relationship and people are pushing boundaries consistently, even after having conversations, physical boundaries, you need to actually take a step back if you're on the receiving end of that and go, this person doesn't actually understand my worth. Because if they did, they would not be treating me like this. We've been designed from the beginning of time to be intimate beings. So when we value the process of where we're at and we're not stealing from seasons ahead of ourselves and not just sleeping with each other, but there are other things like, and this happens all the time, not all the time, but often couples will come to us, they're just dating or they're engaged. You know, well, no, we went away and we stayed in the same place and we slept in the same bed, but we didn't do anything. That for me doesn't, I don't, doesn't matter if you, don't, if you didn't touch each other or if you didn't do anything, but you should not be sharing a bed until you are married. You're stealing from a season ahead of you. Now when you get married, sleeping in, this, in the same bed together, it's not new. You've stolen something from, that's been ahead of you. You've taken a privilege that is designed for a future time and you've put it into a, a time that is not there. So it's the right thing and the wrong time becomes the wrong thing. So what happens then is you get married and you've actually stolen. You're now getting only nine slices of the pie because you've taken a slice and you've left it outside and it's not as tasty and as good as it should be because you've taken it beforehand. Hmm? 
It's stale. That's right. That's the word I was looking for. It's stale. <clears throat> okay. So when you talk about purity, there's sexual, mental, and emotional. The best thing is this. The oaks come to me. Bro, I don't understand. I'm on Instagram and the reels. I don't understand. Every time I go into Instagram and reels, I'm just flipping getting thrown chicks in bikinis. That thing works on an algorithm. The more you look at something, the more it's going to show it to you. Interesting, eh? The more you look at something, the more it's going to show it to you. Have you uh, there's a special word for it, but when you are wanting to buy a car, all of a sudden the car you want to buy, you start seeing it everywhere, right? So more, I'm, I'm talking more from a guy's side of things now. You, when you're in that mode and you're thinking and you're looking at things that you shouldn't and your mind is going to places, your mental purity is actually going wayward, you start seeing things more than if you were in a mentally pure space. And so it gets harder and harder and harder and harder. So the idea is to not stand by the cliff. So how do you not stand by the cliff? Uh, and we had some rules that we had. So these are just some things that we found helpful for ourselves, <clears throat> our boundaries. So we learned this in a course is to actually define your boundaries. So we actually sat down and we we're like, well, what are, what are our boundaries going to be now that we're dating? What are they? So don't be at home alone. One of the things, why? Because solitude preludes sin, nine times out of ten. Also, late nights when you're tired, nine times out of ten, that's when you sin, right? Because you're hungry, you're tired, you haven't been looking after yourself. Stan spoke brilliantly, I think, in the first week it was about not looking after your physical self will lead into that. <clears throat> so we had another thing, no sleeping over. Uh, that was more out of a, you know, the world, this, nowadays the world lacks good examples, the world lacks good examples. So the, the people out there, what they do is they're looking at you and they're watching, they are watching you and because they, they know that you go to church and you say you have a relationship with Jesus. And so what we decided is, well, we wouldn't sleep over. Why? Because it, it doesn't give people an opportunity to gossip, slander, or think of anything. We become, we hold ourselves above re reproach. Is that the word? We hold ourselves above reproach. So we didn't even sleep over at each other's homes. Um, <clears throat> we had a 10 p.m. curfew. Uh, that also was helpful because Jan lived flipping far from me. Um, we had an open door policy, so if we were in each other's rooms, the door had to be open. These are all, I know these are very practical, simple things, but I promise you, I've had people come to me, oh, bro, I don't, you know, we slept together again. I'm like, okay, well, we were, you know, we were, her parents went out and we were looking after the house and, you know, it was late at night. And I'm like, well, if you weren't, it's like simple, simple things. Simple boundaries putting in place. Even the garden, in the beginning, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, there were boundaries in the garden. God didn't say, Adam and Eve, be free and do whatever you wanted to. There were boundaries. This tree, don't touch it. Boundaries. We're actually designed for boundaries. Without boundaries, we fall apart. I don't know if you've seen children, parents who don't have boundaries for their children, their children are absolutely uncontrollable. Not us, hey? We try our best. But we are actually designed for boundaries. The kingdom, by definition, a kingdom is something that you can define. It's a space. It's an area. It's not within the kingdom, rolling grass hills where we can fall, we can make mistakes, we can pick ourselves back up. There's repentance. There's a process. There's sanctification. There's all of those things. But it's very, very doable to not fall. It's very, very doable to date well, and to get married as virgins, to not steal from places in front of you. It's a very doable thing. It's not an out-of-touch reality. There are a lot of people out there that have gotten married that have actually stayed the course. It's not, it's not an impossible task. 
And that's what the world will have you think. Oh, that's impossible. That can never be done. We did it. Lots of other people have, did it, have done it. Matt and Em have done it very well. They've got like 20 days until Shag Day. It's like they're getting so close. <laughs> but I, what, I, what I want to say now is that there, it, it is a doable process, okay? It's not impossible. But you have to, your sexual, mental, and emotional health, again, comes on the bedrock of knowing your worth, so who died for you, and comes from having an intimate relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> okay. And I think, like, you know, with, it, with me having toddlers, I'm not going to leave knives out on the kitchen counter because I know when they're sitting at the kitchen counter, they're going to grab it and cut themselves. So in the same way, it's like, why would I play, why would I leave, why would I, like, create an opportunity where I could sin and steal from the next season? But putting boundaries in place in your relationship is like putting away the sharp knives with a toddler. You know, it's like not accessible. It's just, and it may seem like hectic and are we putting rules down? Because marriage is so beautiful. And, I, and there is such a sweet dew of heaven over your marriage. When you, when you get there, yes, there's redemption and restoration. If you have fallen short, God can redeem you. And we can get to that later. But at the same sense, like, there is incredible, incredible blessings in marriage when you leave those things for marriage. So I, I just want to speak a little bit from a, from a, a man, a guy's perspective here. <clears throat> we are led by our eyes. So we are more physical than emotional. It's how we've been designed from the beginning of time. So one of the minefields that we have to be very careful of is our appetites. You have to manage your appetites. And what happens is, guys think, oh, well, when I'm married, it's fine. Six times a day, every day is going to be cool. First of all, I shouldn't tell you, that's not the case. I wish. But we have to, just because you get married doesn't mean you're going to stop noticing other people, other things, social media stuff. It, it, that's not the case. So as a, as, a, as a man, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to help us manage our appetite. And that's a thing that never goes away. Um, I think Stan was sharing about some old Artie Kendall who's like 104. And they asked him, what is your, what is your biggest concern in ministry? And as an old 104-year-old, 94, 80, whatever, he's old belly, you know, but five years after Paul, so old. <clears throat> and his biggest thing was he did not want to fall um, in his marriage. He did not want to fall sexually. That was his biggest thing. So it's not like, oh, this just goes away the older we get. And the, no, it's a consistent battle of managing your appetite. And then, girls, ladies, I want to talk from your side. You, the, the struggle that a man goes through to fight for this, to hold himself true in this process is an intense battle. That's why sex and marriage is such a big thing. The Bible talks about it. Jesus uses it as, an exam as examples. It's like, it's, like it's, it's one of the, the highest moments of worship you can have is sex within its rightful place, which is marriage. It's, it's, it's an intense, like an amazing part of, of, of a Christian's walk, actually. Why is it so important? Because if it was easy to get there, it wouldn't be worth anything. But because it is such a battle to get there, the victory is sweet. So the harder the battle is, the sweeter the victory becomes. So as, as, a, as, a, 
as a woman out here, as a young girl, as a lady, as someone who is, you've you got to understand from a God's perspective, it is a constant battle that we are fighting, that we are asking the Holy Spirit to help us and guide us. And you've got to understand that that thing that we are fighting for is worth so, so much because of the actual battle process. And a quick battle, no value. Long, hard battle, lots of value. Big victory. And then um, another thing that we find helpful is choose somebody when you're dating. Choose somebody to ask you the hard questions. So oftentimes we're like, okay, cool, Nick and Jan, can we be accountable to you? Yes, no problem. But then they come to us after they've already messed up, you know. And so, like, choose somebody who's going to ask you the hard questions. And I love, Nick does this so well. He, he'll literally be like, when you see, I mean, when you see somebody that's been dating on an, in an intense relationship, he'll be blunt. He'll be like, have you touched her boobs? Because it's, it's a hard question. If, if Nick says to somebody, um, are you guys healthy? Are you good? And they're like, yeah, cool, I'm good. Like, there's so much to get away with there. But actually, when you have somebody who's like hardcore, asking you the hard questions, it's, it's good, it's good. And that's what community does, actually. So if you're dating, go to someone and be like, please be in our corner, please ask us the hard questions because we want to see you succeed. Um, <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, bad company, Yes, bad company corrupts good character, or bad company ruins good morals. And so, again, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Let's hang out with people who call us up, you know. I remember someone once said to me, we need A and B friends in this world, attic friends and basement friends. I mean, we don't need those. There's two types of friends in the world, attic friends and basement friends. Attic friends call us up to higher places. Basement friends, unfortunately, ruin our good morals. Okay? So we want A friends. Um, yeah, I think we can skip all the way. Okay. So we've got just a tiny few things, and then we'll do the Q&A. Um, he's just not my type. Okay, so let's say you're dating. How do you let someone know you're not interested? Nick and I suggest no WhatsApping or Instagram DMing. We've got to be brave. We've got to, we call it brave communication. Do face-to-face. -face. Okay? Um, respect the space. So let's say you've said, I'm not interested, but let's be friend. Let's be friend. And they're like, I need space. You've got to respect their space. Don't try to be in their space all the time. Um, just quickly, it's okay to call it quits. I want to give young people or old people who are dating in this room permission to call it quits. If you're dating and you suddenly don't see a vision of an end goal, it's okay to call it quits. If we've dated well, if we've dated in community, if we've dated with people asking us the hard questions, then when we call it quits, it should be, it should be an I mean, it's always going to be hot sore, but it should be a healthy ending. And we always want to leave people better off than when we found them. Um, 
yeah, the goal is to leave each other better off than when you started. Um, yeah, babe. Okay, so before we get to the Q and A's, yeah, we just I'm just going to run through a couple of red and green flags. So red flags, obviously, warning signs. And this again goes back to the beginning where we spoke about community. When you see a red flag, go and talk to someone who is ahead of you. Talk to the people who are with you. In the same season and communicate. Obviously, we do it in an honoring way so we don't just throw the other person under the bus because everyone is in a process. We're all learning this thing together. So a couple red flags is they can't say, I'm sorry. Someone who can't say, I'm sorry, that's a flag. Speaks negatively of the past. So someone who is a negative Nancy, red flag. Yeah, it's an indication that they haven't worked through their past or their stuff. Uh, Lone Rangers, we've spoken about this. Lone Rangers, red flag. Uh, This is my best one. God said you're the one. Seriously, if someone says that to you, if you need to, please come and talk to someone else. Paul would love to talk to you about that. Okay. But seriously, when people come and say, you know, I just, you know, the Lord said you are the one. It's, It's a red flag. Okay. We won't go into details there. And someone who continues to push physical boundaries, red flag. Okay, so everyone talks about red flags, but what are some green flags? What are some healthy, great things that help us um, kind of say this, this could be, this could go somewhere? Uh, healthy relationships with their family. Massive green flag. Someone who has healthy relationships with their family. Respectful towards their parents. Serves in the community is another one. So someone who is a part of something that knows that they are a part of something bigger than themselves. Okay, serves in the community, whether it's a church community or elsewhere, whatever it is. Hopefully, ideally, it would be in a church community. Honestly, guys, church is the best place to meet someone. Church is the best place to meet someone. General idea of where they want to go. So you want someone who has, an, has a bit of purpose. They know where they are going. They're not just floating around kind of oh well I'm just going to figure it out but they have a general idea a general purpose that much purpose might change but they have a vision for their life they feel they know what God has called them to do so they know where they are heading okay yeah so the 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 airport example you you just have to be in the same terminal they have to be in the same plane right now you get on the same plane when you get when you're engaged before you get engaged you make sure you're in the same plane if you're going to get engaged with someone you go oh well what do you feel like you're called to do i want to be a missionary in mongolia and oh well i don't see myself doing that i just want to be a businessman in mshlanga and drive fancy cars well okay well you're not going to the same place so that's probably a, a big reason not to stay together so you don't want you don't need to be on the same plane yet but you need to be in the same terminal we both want to potentially be in ministry. We both want a business. We want big family, small family. You don't have to go into details, but you have a general idea of where you're headed. <clears throat> and they're a good steward, not just with money, but a good steward with their time, a good steward with their resources. They're not just playing, like I've used the example, Fortnite, Six Love every weekend. They are generous with their time. They're generous with their finance. Someone who is a kind person. It it's, goes back, I think kindness is, the mo- one of the most attractive things is kindness. Um, okay, Matt, do you want to do some Q&A, bro? Does that make sense, first of all? Was that okay? Jan will answer all your questions afterwards.
Also, to know why sex is for marriage is because these O's on your own is flippin' difficult. It's designed. Okay, so we've got like four questions around the friend zone. Why did break out of the friend zone? One of, one of Mission the, impossible, bro. Ghost protocol. <laughs> And um, some of them are like, how to not get friend zoned, and how do you, how to get out of the friend zone, and what if you've already been friend zoned? How do you go from there? And yeah, the answer to all of the above: brave communication. It's the only way you're going to find out. Hey, I feel like we're in this space, but I feel like there's something more. Am I alone in this? Yes. Okay. Well, tough. Go find someone else. But remember, when, when your worth is not tied into that person, because you know what you're worth, you can be disappointed, but it doesn't send you back to the gutters. Does that make sense? So how do you get out of the friend zone? You have brave communication with that person. How do you, if, you're in the, if you want to, what's it, all three of those things. For me, it comes down to your, that brave communication, sitting down and being honest and, uh, with that person and just... You need to actually just tell them, you know, please don't go overboard and be like, oh, I think we're going to get married because that's a red flag and she or he is going to run away from you. But you can have the conversation of, I feel like there's something potentially more inside of this. Are, are you on the same page or am I wrong? And be okay for that friendship to then, that friendship could potentially change after that conversation, but that's okay because as Jan's father pointed out to her, God heals broken hearts all the time. And then on the, just you mentioned red flags there. Um, I don't know if you, yeah, they, you did kind of answer this in the beginning, but maybe just go over it again. Why is a Lone Ranger a red flag? Have you watched the Tinder Swindler? Or Catfish? No, I haven't watched it. I just know the story. <laughs> I don't know the story. Oh, no. Yeah, so Lone Rangers for me is um, obviously... Besides going through all the community stuff, which we did in the beginning, how important that is. But a lone ranger usually means that they are a selfish person, if I had to be brutally honest. Uh, and someone who is selfish is usually in it just for what they can gain and what they can get. They're not in a relationship for what they can give. Uh, if they were in, uh, if they can have friends, where and the more friends, not I'm not saying you need loads of friends because some people have very few close friends. If you're like me, I have a lot of general friends. Everyone is kind of designed differently in that space. But if you have very, not a lot of friends or no friends, if you're a complete lone ranger, it usually means you're, you can't handle those types of relationships. Nine times out of ten, it's because you're selfish. You, you can't actually give to others. You're always taking for yourself. So that would be why I would say lone rangers are a no-go. Your depends, Dan. I think the big idea with all of these types of questions is that the way they treat you before you're married is not going to get better than that after you get married. So if you're marrying somebody that's a loner, that if you by yourself to change and to become more like Jesus is very difficult, which means now you marry somebody that's a lone ranger that's not changing, that's not messing, pressing into something like that. It's going to be very difficult once you are married. So whatever, whatever you've got before you get married is what you're going to get once you are married. You want somebody that's got friends that can speak into their lives, 
that can help them through difficult times, that have been through all the different seasons of life, summer, spring, winter, spring, autumn, and you kind of, you've, you've got an idea of how this person reacts and, and how they respond in those difficult situations. So in all of those sorts of things, it's not going to change. It's like if you've got a pornography addiction before you get married, it's not getting married It's not going to take away your pornography addiction because a pornography addiction is not, that's the fruit of something that's wrong inside of you. So these sorts of telltale signs, one of the other ones I say, the Bible says this, um, husbands love your wife like Christ loves the church. If you marry a man that does not love the church, you're in trouble. Because you're trying to marry somebody that loves you like Christ loves the church. How do you understand how Christ loves the church? How do you, how do you know that? Well, because you are part of the church. So straight away I start to think, if you've got somebody that's, that's Lone Ranger, they're on their own, they're not in a community, those sorts of things I think are very important before you get married so that they translate into a marriage with some healthy habits and healthy context that you're going into. Well done, Stan. But I completely agree. And on the other side of that as well, if you think you can solve those problems, so you're like, don't worry, I'll, I, when we're married, I'm going to help so, solve those problems. What you're really saying is, I'm going to be Jesus to this person. And you're not. And then just some questions around boundaries. Um, one of the questions is, is cuddling as a young couple wrong? And then... Um, you said, and then it's the one question is, you said doors open um, if you guys are in the bedroom together, but like surely you should just stay out of the bedroom and... So, um, define cuddling. Okay. <clears throat> so yeah, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, yeah, like we cuddled for sure, flat out. So I think... I'm just trying to word it, word it well. Check Torben. My definition of cuddling is being physically close to someone without overstepping boundaries. So I'm not touching boobs or bum or upper leg or things like that. If we're going to get real about it, I'm not doing that. I'm just shoulders, like we're close. But we're not, you know, if that makes sense. I'm trying to explain it well here. But for me, I think cuddling is a good thing because you do need to, they are just like that friendship table, there are steps where physically you get closer as you date, you go from like, please don't kiss each other if you're just friends. I don't think that's a good idea. But when you're dating, I don't think kissing is a bad thing when, when it's in a different, when, it's, when you're managing yourself and you're managing your space. Um, so when you, like cuddling, I think is fine. But again, I'm not doing it behind closed doors. I'm not ashamed of it. You know, often you can tell you've overstepped boundaries when you, when you feel guilt and shame stepping. That's why Hilton's preach this morning I thought was so fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then on the bedroom thing, absolutely. Those were our boundaries. I know friends that have boundaries where it wasn't in the bedroom at all. And I think that's absolutely fine. I think everyone's boundaries. Some people will have very strong boundaries. Other people will have different boundaries. You can. Um, you know, I think we've been given the Holy Spirit as a helper, and Nick started off by saying it's like for God, through Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, and so he's your counselor, and I also think every person's different. Like, if you're somebody who super battles with the temptation, then, and like, cuddling is going to lead straight away into things that it shouldn't, don't cuddle. 
Like, it's as simple as that. You know, you, like, we can't sit here, I don't know everybody's struggles. I don't know your levels of self-control, but if you don't have good self-control, don't cuddle. It's actually that simple. Um, and then the door, yeah, the door open policy, it's also so different. I mean, if you're, like, in a super bus- busy household and you want to just get five minutes to talk on your own, then sometimes being in the room is helpful, but the door open for me is key because darkness hides in closed spaces and, you know, when, but when things are open and then the light, you're not going to do things. So just, just to jump in there, I think your boundaries need to get tighter the older you get because it's easier. So when, when we've gone through counseling with people, when you're living on your own, it's harder to have boundaries in place because you're on your own. So when you're spending time together, you're in, it's, it's you open door for what? No one else is there. So I think the older you get, the tighter your boundaries need to be personally. But again, it's with the Holy Spirit and in community. So if you don't know, go and ask someone who's ahead of you, the season in you. Awesome. One more thing. Um, we, we have this thing with some of the couples that we disciple. It's like, you can call Nick and Jan anytime. And we've honestly had it with some of our couples where they are finding themselves in a tempting environment. They'll literally be like, hey, Nick and Jan, are you home? We're like, yeah. Like, okay, we're outside. <laughs> and they're like, can we come for coffee? Just to like, distract themselves because actually if they had stayed for 10 more minutes, they would have fallen short, you know? And so just let, like, we are here, you know, we are here for you. Find somebody who's in your corner that you can phone and be like, we need to escape this burning stove. And so, like, we've always said to, to, to the couples we disciple, you phone us, whether it's 10 o'clock at night and you need an escape because it's too, getting too hot, it's getting hot in here, you phone us. They literally arrive with coffee on our doorstep and we're like, we're here for you. And if we're busy putting kids down, they know. They can sit in our lounge and hang out in a safe environment. Um, but yeah, we've loved that. Um, I also just wanted to add to that. This, the boundaries thing with dating is like 90% very practical. Very practical. It's maybe there is, a, there is definitely obviously a spiritual depth to why you place those boundaries in place in the bigger picture. But if you are at the point where you are like trying to justify like why you should, why you can be in the bedroom or like why you can cuddle, like, yeah, but like, like it's okay, you know? Like, chances are you should stop doing that thing because that is going to lead to, and the, date, and the dating season is for a season. It's a season. Your neck, it's going to end, you know? If, you're, if you are, like Nick and Jan were saying, if you're working towards marriage and you see, okay, this person um, I want to marry, that's awesome. That's just for a season. Again, what my dad and what they were saying is, how you treat each other, how you selflessly put these boundaries in place for each other before, while you're dating, determines significantly how those things play out in marriage. And I think, just to be on that as well, so often the, the question that follows that as well, you know, there's that scripture, rather just get married. You know, there's, if you're burning with lust and you continue, you can't control, you're breaking boundaries, you're breaking boundaries, you're breaking boundaries. Scripture says, well, just get married. I think, yes, with counsel, so don't just flip and go to Vegas and get married, but with counsel, and, and if you can survive on your own, so the whole, if you can leave and cleave, so financially you can live on your own with that person, married, 
with counsel, so you get good counsel from the gods above you, so from leadership within the church. It doesn't have to be me or Stan, but leadership within the church. If they give you good counsel and you've, you've got people around you, you can live on your own financially, you can look after yourselves, and you add, you know, you're not still studying, but usually you can't look after yourself if you're still studying. Um, get married. But please don't just like come back and be like, oh, we got married last weekend. That's not helpful. And, and also, like, fight for it. Fight, fight for your purity in dating. Because, yes, the reward of that is so, so, so great in marriage. And, um, yeah, I mean, what a, what a beautiful example for your other person, that you, for your boyfriend or girlfriend that you're dating. Like, I'm willing to fight for you. No. Like, I'm going to put this boundary in place. And actually, I'm going to fight for the purity of, for you in our marriage. You want to do another? What time are we finish? Hopper 6, eh? Okay. Demonstration. Whoa, brew. <laughs> Come on, baby. So, you know, I don't know if I did this when we started. The, 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 the dating process has got to be well-paced. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to pace it well. So this is, the, this is the picture that I have. So if Nick and Jan are dating, so if they can come here. So one over there and one over here. Far apart. Far apart there, far apart next to Matt. Far apart. And then this is marriage here. So this is, this is the moment that you are, you're going to get married. So when they meet each other, I think the word is they start vibing. That's the word. So they start vibing, they ask, start, remember that moment when he saw her with, uh, with a bikini? Hey, hang on, what's happening? And so slowly but surely what happens is they start connecting with each other, relationship starts building, friendship starts building, and slowly but surely intimacy starts building. So if you can start walking towards me, towards both of you walking towards this, so when they're walking to marriage, slowly, I know you want to get married, but just slowly, Jan. But I'm burning. No, you're burning, but just wait, self-control. But So they, they keep walking towards marriage, keep walking towards marriage. Okay, stop there. Now, they have got to pace themselves towards this. The problem is when you, get, when you, when you meet each other when you're very young and you've got a five or six year ahead of you, you've got to be very, very careful. Because what happens is there's a natural pace of intimacy that's developing to get to this point. And what happens is, go back to your original points, if you go too quickly, so that's where you're meant to get married, so that's your kind of trajectory, and then walk towards me now. So now what happens is they're getting intimate, 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 whoa, hang on, too intimate, but they're only getting married then. Often what happens is, Jan, you keep going this way, and Nick, you keep going this way. That's what happens. And then they start walking away from each other. You end, up, you end up breaking up because your intimacy level has got, and as soon as you put sexual sin into it, shame enters your relationship, and you end up in messing the whole thing up. And the chances of you breaking up are good, or the chances of you getting married because you can't break up. Suddenly your mind goes moggy. Problem. So let's go back to that original place again. 
So you see, you, you kind of cross too quickly. That's where you've got to pace yourself. And so your, even your emotional and your spiritual, that, that intimacy, it's a natural step of intimacy to grow in friendship, grow slowly but surely, grow eventually, eventually. And then eventually in marriage, you, you, on your marriage day, you get married. And so you have the full package put together in the right time. If you go too quickly, you end up sleeping with each other. So what happens is in the beginning, it's very intense and you're spending lots of time with each other all the time. Slow down. Especially if you've got a four or five year ahead of, ahead of you. Be very careful. The other problem as well is now you keep walking, walk towards me. But Jan, you come this side. So what happens is they're going too slowly. They've got commitment issues. So now you get here, but you're actually still apart. You're not married. You, I mean, you're, I'm ready. For you're ready, but you're far apart. So you're there. So you see what happens? Now, they, now they're missing the moment because they've grown in intimacy, but, but they should be getting married now. Problem. Because now what's going to happen is you're going to miss that date and you end up missing, you're missing what God has for you in that process. The ideal situation is, if you can go back here again, is that you're in, the, in this place and what you've done is you've, you've made your relationship accountable. Can I just say, guys, Let's go old school, and if you're serious about a girl, go and speak to her dad about dating her. Be accountable. So go to her dad and say, listen, I know we, we have, 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 have got a grow, we've got a growing friendship, and I'd love to start dating your, your daughter. Would that be okay with you? There is, there is an element of culture of that. There is a big element of culture of that. Because you, but you know what? I also do think, as soon as you, as soon as you do that, there is also an, an element of accountability because you've said things. And so maybe even in the cultural thing is because what, you, what that does is it holds you to account for what you've said to the dad or the, or the family. As soon as you've shown interest. There is cultural things around that and how you get there and how you skip that. But can I just say, cultural things are no excuse for sleeping together before you get married. So make sure that you put things in place to stop that from happening. So this thing starts walking together and you're now here, you're heading towards this and eventually you get to a point and you're right, you decide, you know what, this is in sight, you're going to get engaged. Right, you make a commitment to each other, we're going to get married. Then you start planning the wedding to the point that you get here. But when you've done it at the right speed, you've developed your emotional intelligence is developing well together. Your spirituality is developing and growing together. Your communication skills are developing and growing together. All the things that you need for marriage going forward will be in place, will start to be in place. It's never completely in place. But the, and then what happens is you step into marriage and you've got a whole bunch of things in place ready for you to when you get married. So... Do time your relationship well. Pace it. You've got to pace yourselves. And remember, when you are growing in intimacy, eventually the next step actually is physical intimacy. And if you've got there before you got married, it's very difficult to, to, to keep your relationship pure. So I think... As in terms of, even in terms of that question of actually making yourself, make, making yourself accountable, 
in, in different cultures, you do different things as the question has been brought up there, but make yourself accountable. There's something about actually there's, there's honor here, there's actually this is my daughter, or these are my friendships, or actually even if leaders in the church, actually I just want to let you know I'm actually wanting to date this girl, she comes to this church, actually just so we're accountable, depending, and work those systems, those accountability systems and authority systems into your, into your marriage and into your relationship up front. Because then once you're married, those things are already in place that you begin to walk into marriage in a healthy space. So pacing is a very important thing. I just want to also define accountability because I feel like that is sometimes gets a, a bad rap. Accountability does not mean after the fact. Accountability is not, oh no, Stan, you know, we messed up again. That's not accountability. Accountability is before the fact. Okay, so I think accountability and vulnerability are very, very connected before. Yeah. Can we do one more question? Yeah. Make um, it a goodie. Yeah. It's the age-old question. Jan will answer. Literally. Um, what age should you start dating? Yeah, I think, again, you're under authority, so if you are at home, you submitted to your parents. If they are healthy parents, I mean, let's just be real, sometimes people come from broken homes, and so that's, that goes out the window. Again, that comes down to what Stan's just spoken of. That's why there's authority in the church, and there's vulnerability and accountability within the church. So I think you need to submit yourself to those levels. So I think first, first and foremost, you would go to your parents, if that's a healthy example, if they are in a healthy space. If, and if they say, and then maybe even both and, uh, accountability within your church leaders, whoever they may be, come and speak to them and say, listen, guys, if you're 13, I'm telling you now, you're not old enough. Because just this example here, you flip and starting in that corner down there, that's not going to be cool. So you've got to be, and, and so you've got to be accountable to authority in that space. And just to add to that, there's, yeah, there's, I think, authority, that's a big thing. Particularly if you're at home still, you've got to go to your folks um, but you've also got to ask yourself the big question to ask yourself is are you secure in your relationship with God big question big question because if you if you are the guy and you're going to be part of the taking the relationship forward are you going to be taking the relationship forward in God and if not, it just opens the door to so many things, you know. Um, and another thing is, are you willing to wait? Like you're almost ready to start dating when you're willing to wait. Kind of thing, you know. Laying down your life. But the, a big one is your identity in God. All of this, all of two whole people is really important. So starting dating when you are still trying to figure all that out, now you're trying to figure all that out and trying to figure out all your boundaries and all of those things and having your, your identity secure in God is so, so, so important to all of this. Yeah, and then I just wanted to say um, you might be sitting here going, cool, well, I've actually messed up sexually, so now what? You know, like we've been like, but there is restoration in Jesus. And um, 
the Bible says, be quick to confess. And so when we do mess up, like if, if you do mess up, or if you have messed up, be quick to confess. Um, because it's brought into the light. And somebody can help journey with you to be restored, whatever. But um, I think that that's key. And, you know, if you have messed up, come speak to a leader and confess and repent. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, you know, there are second chances in the kingdom. I think um, maybe just to end, if that's all right. So these things are often geared towards young people. So I also just want to say it's never too late to date. I think we always need to have hope in Jesus that there is someone out there for me to meet. There's someone out there um, for me to date, to go through this whole process. I think we've just watched old Beverly get married at, I don't know how old she is, but she's in her 60s. So there's, there's a process. So I just want to say, like, it's not, this is not just a young person, teenager, young adult process, but it can, it's actually a process that any age can follow to, to, find, to find someone. Um, you, you never put out to pasture. Age is not a, a factor in this. There is hope. There is a space. And I, one of the, the things that I've noticed, uh, as you get older, your sphere, so your network, stays where it is. And so what happens is the age-old thing, well, there are no guys in church, or there are no girls in church. It's because your sphere hasn't changed for years. So what you need to do is you actually need to expand your network. You need to expand your friendship sphere. What does that look like? In my mind, it looks like periodically visiting a different church, periodically meeting people in a different home group, in a different space. I like to keep it in the church circle that are relating churches. I think that's very, very helpful and beneficial. But just expand the sphere, if that makes sense. Expand the sphere. Sometimes your person's not going to be here, so you need to go and find someone elsewhere. We're not going to go to Kingston and find someone. We're going to go to some other church and find someone. Is that, is that cool? Does that make sense? Cool? Last one, Matt, or are you good? Amen. Let's just, let's, okay, let's just stand up, put your hands on your heart. Father, we stand here under your guidance, King. Jesus, through your sacrifice, we know what we are worth. And Holy Spirit, we say we cannot do this without your help. We ask that we would walk in what you've called us in our own unique destinies as influencers in the kingdom, as preachers of the gospel, of healers of the sick. But Father, I pray that there would be many, many, many great godly examples of godly relationships that birth out of Glenridge and show the world what true relationship and true unity looks like. So, Father, we ask right now that you would convict where you need to convict. And, Father, you would highlight things that need to be highlighted. Jesus, that you would show destiny where destiny needs to be seen. That you would deposit hope where there is none. But, Father, I pray for every single person here that they would have an encounter with you where they know what it's like to be loved, to be cherished, and to be chosen. Amen.